Welcome to the Ask the Experts podcast. Here's Karen Bhatia. I am Karen Bhatia. This is Ask the Experts. And thank you for joining me today. I have a very special interview with sports photographer extraordinaire, and that is Ed Mulholland. You may not have heard his name, but you've definitely seen him ringside or cage side at the biggest fights in the world. You can spot him with his signature red R Rutgers cap. Um, he has worked the biggest fights in boxing, Gotti Ward, Pacquiao fights, Mayweather, De La Hoya, on and on and on. Um, for a long time, he worked at HBO, which we were able to uh, to work together. He has since gone on to Matchroom. He also does many other sports, uh, NFL, NHL, among other things. So we know that boxing has come back, top rank ESPN, uh, putting on a bunch of shows. But it is still an overall pause in the sport, right? There's not the big consistent matchups with different networks and promoters. So I thought this might be a good time to speak to someone like Ed to talk a little bit about his journey. How did he get to uh, being on the top of the sports photography game? And you'd be interested to know that it wasn't necessarily what you'd consider a traditional route. It it started with him as a fan in the stands. And we're going to talk about how he went from there uh, to working the biggest events in the sport. Um, I talked to him about the biggest challenges he's faced in his job, working with these high-profile athletes like Conor McGregor, Manny Pacquiao, Floyd Mayweather, uh, Oscar De La Hoya. And Ed is going to tell you about the only two times he was shut out of a locker room and the reason behind that. We're also going to get a little bit into the weeds about the equipment he uses. What's his process, right? How do you become a sports photographer? And and what is the workflow like? What is fight week like? What is working the actual event like? So I talked to Ed about all that. And I mentioned the Red Rutgers cap. So we're going to ask the significance behind that because that is his signature look. So without further ado, here is my conversation with sports photographer Ed Mulholland. I am Karabatia. And let's ask the experts. I am Karen Bhatia, lucky enough to be joined by Ed Mulholland. You've seen him as the ringside photographer with that bright red Rutgers cap, covering boxing, UFC, many other sports. And we're going to talk to Ed all about that. Ed, first of all, it's a crazy world out there, as we know the pandemic, everything else in terms of changes, social changes that are happening as well. Um, what do you think about everything that's going on in the world right now? And, and how are you holding up? Are you safe? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'm, I'm fine. It's, uh, you know, we've been lucky enough uh, to stay healthy here. And, uh, you know, kids are good. Wife's good. Um, she's working, thankfully, uh, mostly from home. Uh kids were doing school from home and I'm sitting around, uh, waiting to work. It's, uh, you know, I mean, I mean, as you know, as well as I do, the first thing that went was sports really, um, you know, player got sick in the NBA and then player got sick in the NHL and everything shut down immediately. And I was like, literally like an hour from shooting a devil's game when the NHL said no more games. Uh, so that was it. That was early March. Um, so yeah, I, I actually have not touched my cameras since oh. early March, um, but it's it's crazy. I mean, it looks like things are going in the right direction, and uh, boxing came back last night, uh, which was great. Um, you know, Top Rank had a show in Vegas, and that works really well for them because they're based out of Vegas. So um, kudos to them for for jumping on it. And uh, yeah, UFC's back, so uh, it's going to be different, but uh, it's it's nice that it's. Uh, starting to come back no that's what we're learning on these sports events ufc did their shows no crowd it's so different the fighters can actually hear their trainers while they're fighting uh you brought up espn and top rank did their shows it was a very different atmosphere the ring announcers outside of the ring uh the post-fight interviews are socially distanced they're in a bubble people are there for eight weeks can't see their families things like that um but these are the safety precautions that we have to take and it's going to be a transition period um until we get everything back to uh the way it was and i wanted to talk to you about your process your work because you've always been at the biggest fights uh the biggest events but i wanted to kind of take it back a little bit because while we do have this mini pause in sports 
um, it is a time to maybe reflect and talk a little bit about, you know, the journey and the process. So I wanted to ask you about how you got started. Um, and I know that your journey wasn't the traditional, let's say, photography school, um, you know, you know, always in a dark room working on this, you know, since grade school. This was a little different, right? So, so tell me a little bit about your journey. Yeah, I, um, I, so I graduated from, from Rutgers, obviously, um, with a degree in economics. And I left Rutgers and I ended up starting to work for um, Barnes and Noble. And then from there, um, I ended up getting a job with a, you know, starting to do that and then uh, biding my time looking for work and uh, land a job at a pharmaceutical corporation. I was working in, in sales and marketing. And um, it, it was, uh, you know, and, and client management, suit and tie and, you know, um, playing some golf and, you know, things like that. And did it, you it still was, wear the Rutgers cap when you had the suit and tie on? I did not. <laughs> <laughs> I did not. People don't recognize me when I take this yeah. thing off. It's pretty funny. Um, people I've known for years walk past me. But it, it's, uh, yeah, so I, I was doing that and, um, you know, it was good. I mean, it was, it was a, a lucrative job. I was, you know, it, it had a career progression and, and whatnot. And, um, but I, I wouldn't say I was thrilled, you know, I, it, it was, um, it was work and it wasn't something that I felt completely fulfilled doing. And, um, I grew up a boxing fan and my brother Scott took me to a fight at the Fernwood Resorts in, uh, in Pennsylvania. And uh, it was a Showtime show. It was uh, Scott DePomp, who was a local New Jersey fighter. And I brought a camera along. It was a hobby. And I took some pictures. We had like fourth row seats and took some pictures from there. And uh, I sent them to Fight News uh, as a goof, kind of. And they hit me back and were like, would you ever be interested in photographing a fight? And like, yeah, okay, cool. Um, sure. Like no idea what I'm doing. And, uh, two weeks later, they send me down to Reading, Pennsylvania to shoot, um, Andrew Sixheads Lewis defending his title against Ricardo Mayorga. And, um, I got a ringside credential and I'm making little to no money and whatever. It was awesome. You know? And, um, I was like, this is fantastic. And, and Sixheads Lewis gets just, starched by Mayorga. Mayorga goes to the press conference and like holds up a Budweiser and lights a cigarette and he's got the championship belt around his waist. And I took a picture of it and that actually ran in Sports Illustrated. So the first night I worked, I got a photo in Sports Illustrated, which was pretty wild. Um, and then it just went from there. And it was, I was kind of like on weekends, you know, working my full-time job and then driving somewhere to uh, shoot a fight. And I did that for a couple of years and then it all kind of came together. I, I, it, I literally, I won like boxing writers photo of the year. Um, I got the video game cover for the um, electronic arts uh, fight night round three with Gaddy Ward and HBO called me literally like in a three month span that all happened. And it was like HBO offered me a contract for the remainder of the year um, and can I be in Atlantic city? This was like on a Wednesday. Can I be in Atlantic city on Friday? And, uh, yeah. All right, cool. Went down there, shot, uh, James, Tony, Hasim Rahman, okay. who ended up being a draw. It was a dreadful fight. Yeah. Um, the big thing I had to get was the victory shot. You got to have the victory shot and got to get that hero shot. Right. Yeah. And it ended <laughs> up being a draw and there was nothing. And I was like, uh, okay, I'm never going to work again. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so then I, I mean, I flew to Germany, I went to Vegas, they had me doing all this stuff and it was great. And I worked for six months with that. And then when that contract ended, they came back and were like, you know, we're really happy with what you're doing. We want to give you boxing after dark. And at that point it was kind of like, okay, you know, I've been taking vacation time here and vacation time here and fly around away from my actual job. And, you know, my wife was just like, you know, look, you, you're working two jobs, one you're thrilled with, one you're not thrilled with. <laughs> it's not a hard decision. And um, so, yeah, I uh, started uh, just saying, let's try and do this. And the big thing really was money. 
It was, do I want to walk away from a pharmaceutical job where I'm making good money and it's steady to basically reset my entire life and try and build a client base? And yeah, so I took the chance and I'm okay with it now. (laughs) You Uh took the leap and and that's what I wanted to ask you about. Um, When you were watching the fight when you were just a fan in, in the stands and you had your camera, I think it's a really interesting thing that you didn't just take the photos for yourself, but you actually took that leap of faith and sent that to different publications and to fight news. And you, you actually took that chance. And then again, when you were offered the opportunity with HBO uh, on a few days notice, you got in the car and you went there. Right. And so I just wanted to ask you about that. I mean, how important is that for your process or for anyone listening about taking those, those leaps, right. Taking those chances, because obviously they can lead to bigger and bigger things. Yeah, I will, I will tell you, honestly, it's funny that you, you asked that because I had a conversation with my daughter a month ago, you know, a month and a half ago, whatever. And she was talking about, oh, you know, I want to do this, but I'm afraid or I want to do that. But like, she'll, she'll not go somewhere because, oh, well, I might not have a good time or I, I, I'm, I might, I don't want to try this because I might embarrass myself. And I did so much of that growing up, like, oh, I'm not going to do that because I might embarrass myself. And you pass up on things and who cares? Like the older you get, you're like, who cares? Like, so yeah, I mean, the biggest thing is you throw something out there. I mean, I have it. I, I, I have in my closet. It, it's like the greatest thing. I have a rejection letter from Nigel Collins and Ring Magazine, like, you know, saying, hey, this stuff was nice, but here's what we really want, you know, and basically telling me like, in a really nice way, yeah, your stuff kind of sucked. Um <laughs> This is more what we'd like to see. And I mean, I'd keep that. I, there was no way I was throwing that thing out. That just kind of fueled me. It was like, it wasn't embarrassing. It was a learning experience. And um, yeah, it's just, I took the chance. And I, the most terrifying thing was saying, okay, I'm, you're going to turn down a, a paycheck to maybe get a paycheck. And, you know, and when you're a freelancer, I mean, like right now, I'm not working. You know, you, those are the chances you take, but man, take a chance. It's, it, you know, it's, it's, if it doesn't work out, you reset again, you're in the same spot you are, you know, previous, but you know, it's well right. worth taking, taking a risk. Absolutely. No, you took the chance and you were fulfilled at least in terms of the work that you were doing, right? Maybe not financially right in the beginning, right. but you were at least fulfilled in terms of uh, the, the, the type of work that you were doing. So, when you first started getting now we were able, able to work together when I was at HBO. Um, and it was, it was always great working with you, uh, me on the producing side, you on the photography side. And when you were starting out at HBO and then later on, obviously now with Matchroom and other places, um, you had to go from that. We, we talked about, you didn't have that traditional photography school background or things like that necessarily. You started as a hobby. So how much of it, in the beginning was kind of learning on the fly, maybe grabbing a lens or borrowing a camera from a buddy and kind of learning the process as you went along in the beginning. So I had, I mean, I, it was a hobby. So it, 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 but it was, it was definitely something I, I enjoyed. So it wasn't a matter of like, yeah, I studied a lot. I, I didn't just, you know, you didn't just go like those first couple of times. Sure. I went out and did it. Um, but then as you start getting interest from clients and stuff, you know, it's like, what can, and I'm, I mean, I'll be the first one to tell you. And I tell every like photographer, young, young or old, I'm still learning. I mean, when I go to a fight, I'm still watching what other people are doing, you know? And I mean, you're always looking for something new and that's how it was when you were starting. I mean, it was, what could I read? What could I see? Who, who could I talk to for advice? And um, a lot of guys don't want to give you advice because they're like, I'm going to give this kid advice and he's going to take my job, like kind of deal. But like, I mean, I, I hire young assistants. I hire young photographers as assistants. I'll hire people who, I mean, I shouldn't ever feel threat. If my, if I'm confident in my work, I shouldn't really feel threatened by someone else's work. So, you know, if, if, if I can give someone an opportunity, sure. So, I mean, and I had guys that gave me opportunities and, and would sit with me, but it, that's what it really was learning and trying to you know, hone your craft, whatever you're doing. I mean, you, same thing when you go to a, you know, you go, you go to cover a baseball game or something, you know, who steals bases, who, what got you know, study stats, who, who's an opposite field here. So you kind of have a little leg up on where stuff's going to happen or, you know, things like that. You know, you get two boxers who are going to move all night. Yeah. You might not be shooting uh, you know, a tight lens. You might be shooting a little bit wider to give yourself a little leeway. 
you know, you get, you know, Gaddy and Warden in the ring, you know, shoot tight because they're going to be against each other's chest all night, you know, do, do your homework and things like that. But yeah, it, it was a lot of studying and, and learning my craft because I look at stuff now that I did like when I started and I was like, yeah, Nigel was right. I was pretty awful. <laughs> 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 like, some of that stuff is like, Oh my God, that's mine. I, I used to like that photo. Like, yeah. It's... And when we first, when I first interviewed you uh, for my, my show, it was after the first Joshua and Ruiz fight. And the reason I wanted to interview you was because I was trying to get all the different perspectives of what happened that night. Obviously it was the huge upset win uh, for Andy Ruiz. And what I wanted to talk to you about that time was your process in fight week that week. And, and, and right now I'd, I'd like to ask you about your process kind of in general uh, for a fight week for someone in your position because it's not just show up to the main event and start clicking there there's a whole week uh, of activities there's weigh-ins there's fighter meetings yeah. you're at everything so you will get to in a, in a, a city maybe on a Monday or a Tuesday and the fight maybe not not even until a Saturday right so walk me through the week and your responsibilities as a as a ringside photographer so yeah it it, it differs by client um you know, with HBO, you know, with HBO, we came in, we, uh, you know, I came in, I shot the way in, yep. you know, I shot the, the fights and it was generally, we shot the fights that were, we were televising. Um, it was a, a little bit less in the responsibility department, but, um, with matchroom, um, I will generally fly in either Sunday night or Monday morning. Um, we'll do like some kind of publicity shot on Monday, um, you know, depending on where we are and what we're doing. Um, for instance, like we did Maurice Hooker and, and, and Ramirez we shot in Dallas and we put them out by the bridge and we, and the size skyscape and, you know, like it, when the sun was setting and, um, you know, did this promo shot to kick off fight week. So we generally do that on Monday. Then we might do workouts on Tuesday. Um, we might have uh, Wednesday is usually like a um, a portrait day, so we're doing uh, every fighter that's on the on the card, top to bottom, um, will come to us and we'll have a ballroom blocked out and uh, we'll have backdrops and light setups and um, you know um, Molina Pisano is our other photographer. Um, she works with me and she'll be corralling fighters and I'll be shooting their portraits and um, so the two of us are tied up doing that. And then, uh, Lewis Ward, our social uh, media director will be shooting like, um, little video clips and gifts and stuff. And, um, that's a whole day and that's a really long day. I mean, we might start at nine in the morning and the last fighters coming through at seven or eight at night, if they all show up on time. And, um, those are all for, uh, in arena graphics and for, uh, the zones, television portraits. And then we have some fun. We do some like kind of off the wall portraits and stuff for social media and things like that. Um, and then Thursday would be our final press conference. So we're setting up for that, um, shooting the press conference. And then after each of these events, we're creating galleries, um, captioning all the photos, editing all the photos and sending them out to the media. So like anyone who subscribes to Matchroom's media list, is getting all these images mm -hmm. um, that we put out that they can use with stories. And then Friday, you got the weigh-in. And, you know, it depends on the weigh-in day. If it's, if it's a smaller fight, you get there for the weigh-in, you set up, you mark out the media. Like I'm marking out the media, where people are going to sit, where photographers are going to sit, where we're going to pose them on stage, you know, um, where Diamante and Buffer are going to be. Like we mark all that out for the photos. Um, but if it's a really big event if it were like um like you know a Golovkin show or something like that on a weigh-in day we could be at the arena at 6 a.m and setting up remote cameras to do like you know these big behind the scenes shots and um like overhead things and uh and then later that afternoon after the weigh-in we could be setting up cameras above the ring and stuff um after we get all the weigh-in shots out and that would be friday and then saturday um would be fight day and you know, that's uh, get to the arena and mark out the ring apron, uh, what photographers are on the ring apron, where they're going to be. Um, Melina will go back and check out where all the dressing rooms are and where the fighters are walking from and because she does all the behind the scenes stuff. 
and uh, then, you know, making sure our assistant's all squared away and the internet's working and captions are all done. And then once the fights start, it's easy. You know, <laughs> That's the it, fun um, part, right? Yeah, it really is. Cause you just, you're concentrating on shooting the fights and um, going from there. And then, you know, as long as the internet's working and uh, the editor's getting the stuff, it's, it's, you know, you do it so many times that you just have a routine and um, you know, half the time it's like, Oh, I think it's, Oh, we really should do this. And Molina's already done it. Or Molina will come run to me and be like, so-and-so sitting over here. And I'm like, I already got him. You just, you're so in tune with everything that like, you just kind of do it. Um, but yeah, I mean, the fight is the, it's almost like when the fight starts, you can, not that you can relax, you still got to do your job, but all that other stuff you had to do all week long is, <laughs> is done. And, you, and you've done that for some of the biggest fights of all time. You mentioned Gotti Ward, uh, which you shot, which ended up on the cover of the EA video game. Um, so congratulations for that and all the other uh, huge events that you've done. Which events, which photos, which moments stick out to you in, in your long career as like as the, the moments where you kind of were like pinching yourself like, wow, I can't believe I could do this. And then also getting that end result photo and saying like, wow, this is this is an amazing photo. And it's and, and it was rewarding for you. Yeah, you know, I don't know. It's so tough. It's like, um, I, I'll see photos and I'll be like, oh my God, I, I, I love that photo. I totally forgot I shot that. Like I have certain <laughs> photos where it's like, you know, like, I mean, Joshua Ruiz was massive. Yep. I mean, just the crowd, the the coming over here, that was fantastic. It obviously didn't end the way we wanted, but, um, you know, uh, Gaddy Ward fights were great. Um, Rios Alvarado fights. I mean, yep. Um, a photo that I'll always, uh, I'll always remember. I have a couple and most of them aren't like action shots. Like, you know, I have action shots that I'm like, oh, they're great, but it's, it's that victory shot or like that moment, like, um, Chris Algieri, when he, um, he Provodnikov. Yeah. When he was yeah. on the canvas, like, I don't know. Got knocked down twice. I think in the first yeah. round. Yeah. Yeah, at least twi- right twice. Was twice, it? and a the eye swelled up. He only had one and eye. The yeah. eye was a mess, and he yeah. comes back and he wins. And um, I was, you know, HBO allowed me to go in the ring, and I had a fish eye, and I put it up above him. And like when they announced him as a winner, he like threw his head up, and yes. he's got like under the brim. I think he had Brooklyn under the brim, and he's got the belt raised, and you know, both his eyes are closed. One he was closing on his own and the other, he had no choice <laughs> and he's like thrown back and you see the whole arena. And like that always stands in my mind. And, um, I didn't know Chris, I know Chris now and I'm friends with Chris, but, um, he was working. I want to say he was working Danny Jacobs corner or something or, and I went over and I introduced myself and he's like, Oh my God, I, you, you shot that photo. That's in my house. He had a, I had sent it to his promoter and I blew it up on it. He has it in his house. And that was the first time I met him and then we became good friends. And, um, that's a big one. Kelly Pavlik, when he knocked out Jermaine Taylor, mm-hmm. um, in boardwalk hall, which was my favorite place to shoot fights. Um, he knocked out Jermaine Taylor and that photo has like everything. It's like Kelly Pavlik running like this, celebrating Jermaine Taylor's crumbled in the corner. Steve Smoger's waving it off. And you see behind that, Kelly Pavlik's corner is all like jumping and that's like a photo that has everything. Um, you know, there's so many moments like that and I'm on both sides on the UFC side. I mean, Frankie Edgar, Gray Maynard on new year's day, they had like Frankie Edgar got knocked down. Like, I don't know, 75 different times in the first round. I mean, it was ridiculous. (laughs) Frankie just got pummeled and then won every other round of the fight somehow. Like, I mean, the fight could have, how he got out of the first round was ridiculous. And then won every other round, ended up a draw. He retained his title. And I have some great photos from that. But, you know, it's almost like when you, you know, you hear a song in a movie and you like remember that song from that movie and it makes the song better. It's almost like when you have such a great fight, it almost makes the photo better to me, like, because you remember that night. Um, so, yeah, there's there's a lot of different ones. No, and that's why we love sports and what we do uh, you know me being able to talk to fighters and you you being able to shoot them it's not always just about the fight but it, what's about what means to, what it means for them right and being able to tell those stories and like you mentioned with Algieri um he was relatively unknown before that fight and you could tell yeah. with his hands up he was probably thinking like my entire life is going to change and it did change yeah. um so there's a lot of emotion in that 
and not to get too into the weeds, but what is your, what's the equipment that you bring um, to, to the fights when you're working ringside? Do you have a Canon 1D, a Sony? What kind of lenses do you use? I know you sometimes have a remote camera above the ring with a, with a remote. So what, um, what equipment do you use? And also with that, what is your process? Like, do you know that, okay, during this round, I'm going to just be looking through my viewfinder the entire time. Do you review the photos between rounds in your camera? What, what's, what's the equipment and what's your process? So, um, I shoot all Canon. Um, I have uh, Canon uh, 1DX Mark III's and 1DX Mark II's. Um, I will have at any given fight three or four cameras. Um, if we're doing a remote, I'll have one up above the ring. I'll have two ringside. Um, I usually have one that's in my lighting kit too, just in case I, I need it for anything. Um, I have a 24 to 70 lens, a 7200 lens, an 8 to 15 millimeter fisheye, and a 16 to 35 um, that we bring with us. The 16 to 35 would be used for the remote. Um, fisheye is used for like in arena, like wide stuff or a cool celebration or something atmospheric. Um, you know, it's uh, the 24 to 70 is probably the main lens I use, although I really do like to shoot the 70 to 200. The 7200 is a really tight lens. It doesn't necessarily lend itself to a lot of the new media. Um, a lot of websites run stuff 16 by 9 or things like that. And it doesn't, if you crop that, if you crop a tight shot into a 16 by 9, it doesn't really run very well. So you have to shoot a little bit looser than I normally would. But, um, you know, the process is really, I'm just, I'm, I'm looking for certain things. I'm looking for shots of the fighters in the corners, um, you know, ring walk shots, shots of them getting announced shots of them, you know, with their trainers in the corners during between rounds, things like that. Um, good tight action shots. Guy gets knocked down. You want to go wide and kind of shoot the whole scene, the referee, the guy on the canvas, the guy walking away. Um, victory shots with the team, obviously. Um, if someone gets cut, I will immediately grab my camera with the tight lens on it and shoot tight shots on, on the face um, to show, you know, the blood and the cut and things like that. Um, but as far as looking at, I mean, everybody, like, if you say you don't do it, you're lying. But if you <laughs> think you got a great shot, like, you, and you can kind of just know, you tend to look at the camera. Did I get that? Oh, I got it. Great. You know, but I don't have to as much because we have an editor. So a lot of times, like, I may not even know I got it. The round ends. They take my card. I get a new card. And I don't even see generally what I've shot until the end of the night, um, which, is, which is good and bad. I'll just ask. I'll ask my editor, like, hey, is it stuff going all right? Or is it, you know, what do I need to do? Or, you know, and if I hear, yeah, you're really off tonight, then <laughs> oops. But no, it's, it's – um, I don't really pay. You kind of have a set formula of what you're looking for. And then, you know, there's certain things you need. Like if someone's in attendance, you know, like, uh, you know, Wardy might say, Hey, so-and-so's in attendance. We definitely need a shot. Or if our fighters are in attendance or, so you're looking for that kind of thing too. But it's, it's pretty much, you know, you're, you have a formula. You're not really breaking the formula. Everybody's kind of shooting the same stuff. You just want to come up with a little bit different angle and do it a little bit better. And, and, you know, that's, that's what you're looking for. And hopefully consistency is the key. Just be consistent with what you do. And not only shooting the actual fight or event, um, but you also work with fighters. Sometimes you're in the locker room, uh, maybe before they're getting ready for the fight. I know that uh, one time you showed me um, some great shots of Conor McGregor in his locker room. He had the suit and tie and kind of getting ready. Um, and it seemed like part of the reason that you were able to get those great shots were because if you can kind of vibe with a fighter, have a mutual respect of what you're both doing, um, that can be great. I'm sure it's not always like that, especially before a big event, right? This guy, this fighter is going out to fight someone, to, to go into combat. They may not be in the space to want to have a camera lens on them. Um, how, how do you handle those type of challenges when you know you have to shoot something, but your subject maybe doesn't want you around it? And how do you, how do you manage that? Um, yeah, you know what? I've been lucky enough that, well, I will say this with, when I was with HBO, 
and, and you know as much, like, I, when we were at HBO, it was kind of like, you go into a locker room, and they'd be like, no cameras in here, and you'd be like, oh, I'm with HBO, and they'd be like, oh, okay. And it was kind of like, they always, fighters always felt like they had to let HBO in. So as long as you stayed out of their way, but I mean, I can't imagine, like, if I'm about to walk to a ring in front of 20,000 people and somebody's going to try and knock me out, I don't want anybody pointing anything at me. You know, I just want to be by myself. And these guys are so used to it, I guess, that they, I, I don't know if they're necessarily happy with it, but they deal with it. Um, now on the matchroom side of things, we're working with these fighters all the time. And that's, what's great with working with matchroom as opposed to HBO is like, you know, I'm meeting fighters at their pro debut and you're doing their portraits and they, they might be the first time they've had portraits done for TV or something. Yeah. So it's like, you know, you're kind of watching these kids grow up and uh, it's great. So by the time they get to their 10th fight or whatever, they're like, I mean, these kids are, they're great. It's like, they'll fight and then you'll get a text from them. Hey, where are my pictures? Like they're sitting <laughs> in the third row watching the next fight and you're like, I'm working. Like, you know, they want, they all want their photos and everything else. And it's great, but you get that trust. And once you build that trust, like, I'm never going to put out something that's going to embarrass a fighter. Right. That's not my job. My job is to make the fighters look good. I mean, if a fighter gets knocked out, yes, that photo is going to go out. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to make the fighter look bad. It, it's news. You know, um, I didn't want to put AJ out on the canvas, but that's news. That goes out, you know. Um, so, yeah, once you get a trust with the fighters, they're really – they're, they're really cool about what they'll let you do. And, and we have that at Matchroom. Um, and, and you have to earn it. But when you work with a fighter for the first time, there's fighters that'll be like, the only, I've only been refused a dressing room twice. And that was Oscar De La Hoya. Um, and I mean, I've known Oscar for years. Um, shot fights of his for years. The night he fought Pacquiao was not allowed in the locker room, um, did not want me in there. And the only other one was uh, Mayweather when he fought Pacquiao. And that was because it was the whole HBO Showtime thing. And it was like, oh, HBO's photographer, no. Um, you know, it was more that. Those are the only two. In fact, Pacquiao's dressing room that night, they threw out every camera. And uh, Manny let HBO staff. That was it. So, but yeah, otherwise, those are the only two times I've ever been refused. Um, and it's just, I mean, the key is be professional. You know, if you're sticking a camera in their face, the fighter's probably going to get upset. Right. But if you stay on the outskirts and, you know, work a different lens and whatever, and just earn their trust, then you get more. And you referenced the Conor McGregor thing. Um, I got a really nice portrait with him with his gloves on literally five minutes before he was going to walk to the octagon to fight Eddie Alvarez for the title. Um, I asked him earlier in the night and he's like, yeah, just give me time to get relaxed and everything else. And I'll come to you and let you know. And sure enough, he did, which was insane. Um, I just thought it was a nice blow off, but um, he was, he was great. Um, but the guys that have been there before really, they get it, you know? And and that's interesting too because if you look at some of the ways those fights went down, uh, Connor against Eddie Alvarez. Connor was almost flawless that night. At one point, he was fighting with his hands behind his back. He was really locked in in the zone. Oscar yeah. De La Hoya um, against Pacquiao. I believe Oscar De La Hoya was supposed to be the bigger guy. He came in a little underweight. It seemed like things were off, and obviously, we know uh, he ended up quitting on his stool. So it could almost be a reflection of how relaxed that fighter is, how comfortable they are with the challenge that they're about to face uh, will kind of dictate how they are uh, in the locker room. So it's obviously a tough job for you to, to manage that. You, you brought up um, Matchroom and I wanted to talk a little bit about some of the great work you're doing at Matchroom. Obviously they're a very, very innovative company, always willing to try new things, develop new fighters. Um, I agree with you hundred percent building a rapport with a fighter. And, and even on my side, being able to interview young fighters as they continue to grow and you, you develop that relationship and you're able to do that on the photography side. Um, what are some of the new things that you're doing 
uh, with Matchroom. How do you continue to be creative to up the game? I've seen uh, on your Instagram and social media feeds, sometimes you have kind of like the old timey photos. I've seen the signed Polaroids. Um, so what are, what are some of the kind of newer, different type of things that you're trying to do? Yeah, I mean, there were so many things I wanted to do when I was um, working for some other people. And uh, <laughs> I'll, I'll just kind of gloss over that one. And um, but but it was always like, it's got to go through this and it's got to go through that. And it's it. And um, I, I will say this. And it, it was it was funny because it was um, Anthony Lever, who's the head of media at Matchroom, um, we had met years ago over in, in the UK for an HBO fight. And um, he's the one that brought me on board Matchroom. And I will tell you the first like couple shoots with them. It was always like, Anthony, do you want me to do this? Hey, Ant, you want me to do that? Ant, you want me to do this? And he finally just turned around. He's like, we hired you for a reason. Just do your job. You don't have to ask me every time you want to do something. And you know, it's new. So you don't want to do something that, you know, why'd you do that? But, He's like, look, we hired you for a reason. Just go do your job. And at that point I was like, okay, cool. I'm going to do whatever I want to do. And until someone tells me I can't do it, I'm going to do it. So, you know, when we got into the portraits, it was like, we have our TV portraits we have to do. And then I was always fascinated, like the old ring magazine covers, you know, and the fighters like this yep. and the old fighting stances. So we started goofing around with some of the fighters and, 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 uh, like the fighters started having fun with it. And then we started, you know, changing the lighting and doing more dramatic stuff. And, you know, last time out we had fighters like with um, colored lights in our hands, shadow boxing to make these whole light blurs. And we're just trying to do different stuff. Um, you know, it'll probably get used on social media and things like that. It's not, you know, but so what it gets used. And that's the thing. They're, they're not afraid to use stuff like that. They'll do, it's not right. a cookie cutter. And we might do this one time we're do you know, like I'll right. do on my social media, like faces of fight week and we'll do these moody close up portraits and they're letting me just have fun. And then, um, I had bought my daughter a Fuji Instax, um, camera for Christmas. <laughs> she had wanted this like Polaroid thing and the Fuji Instax, the two by threes. And she took it and I'm like, wow, this would be a cool idea to do like Polaroid portraits. And, so I did it. I actually took one of her. I said, come here. And I, she had to pull it up and like had her sitting here like this. And we did one. And I took a picture of it with my iPhone and sent it over to Anthony. And I was like, hey, what do you think of this? This would be cool maybe to do with the fighters. Would you mind if I did this? And I want to get an autograph. And he's like, wow, that's a really good idea. Why don't we do it and start giving them away? And then we're like, okay, cool. So now we do two of each fighter. And I keep one in a collection, actually in a book. And um, yeah, like, you know, Freddie Roach and we got like, I mean, we got so many different people, Stitch Duran and like, we're not even doing our fighters now, we're doing everybody we can do. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, we even got, we got, we even got like Canelo, we got AJ to do it. Um, and we're having, it's just, I'm having a blast with it. And it just, when, when you come up with something even as basic as taking a point and shoot Polaroid camera, um, but the interaction on social, like, you know, um, you know, Wardy posts them up and we do like a Twitter giveaway and then I'll just take the whole stack of anyone we've gotten that week and I'll mail them to someone. And uh, it's, it's been cool. It's, it's just some, it's more to interact with the fans and the more you can do that you know, the more boxing does that, the, the better it is for everybody, you know? It, it, so they just let me do whatever I want. And um, eventually I'll do something where they'll say, all right, let's not do that again. But you know, <laughs> it hasn't come to that yet. Yeah. It hasn't so, yet. And yeah. it's funny. It, I mean, it's like anything, like when you do something, when you, you know, you, if you do something that's new to you and it creates, you know, you, you stoke your creative fires, it just, it kind of drives all assets of your, of your work. You know, it, it, it just, you kind of, you have fun with something and then that just boils over to your, to what you're actually supposed to be doing, you know, on fight night, you, you've had a good week, you've had some fun, you've, you've joked around with some of the fighters and you, you gave away some of these things to fans and you got a great reaction out of them. And, you know, when we did the Logan Paul, um, KSI one, I, we got Logan and, and KSI to sign like, I don't know, like 10 of them. 
Um, and I just ran around the arena giving them out to like teenage kids who were there to watch <laughs> the fight. And they're like, you know, they're holding up signs. I'm like, here, you want these? And they're like, oh my God, great. I mean, we had so much fun with it. So whatever. I mean, if they come back to another fight, then yeah, well worth it. No, that's great that uh, you're, you're innovating. You're continuing to innovate, doing fun things. And at the end of the day, fighters are people. They have stories to tell. And if you're able to show their personality in a certain way, whether it be through a different type of photograph um, versus like, you know, just stand up and let me get the headshot for the graphic, you know, something right. fun. Um, that's great that you can showcase who these people are. And that, that will make fans engage just inherently. So we talked earlier about your Rutgers cap. Um, and that is your signature look now. If there's any big fight, um, boxing, UFC, you look to where the photographers are, you can see the bright red uh, with the big R. So what is, what's the reason for the signature look? Did you wanna be seen on TV? Oh, we can always see the red hat. Are you uh, very proud of uh, Rutgers where you went to school? What's the, what's the story behind the hat? So. I am, I graduated from Rutgers. My wife graduated from Rutgers. Um, I, I met my wife at Rutgers. Um, so I guess everything on my personal side, family wise and everything, I, in essence, owe to Rutgers. That's where I met my wife. My kids are a result of my wife and I meeting at Rutgers. Um, I'm a diehard Rutgers football fan and they're awful. <laughs> but we're, we're, we're on the rise. You had a few Shana, years. You had a few good years. back and our recruiting class is top 20 this year and we're going to be all right. Um, so, you know, it was funny. I, I wore, I just happened to wear my Rutgers hat all the time. And I wore it to a fight at the Garden. And um, there was a writer for Fight News at the time. Her name was Lisa Scott. And she was like, you should wear that Rutgers hat all the time. It's like, I can always just find where you are if I need something. And that's kind of how it started. And then it was like, okay, you know, cool. And um, it's funny how many people like when I'm shooting a press conference or whatever, like when David Diamante is in between the fighters, he'll be like, he'll just immediately say, look at the red cap. And it just makes it really easy now. <laughs> and um, no, as far as appearing on TV, like rule number one of being a sports photographer is never, ever become a story. And um <laughs> It's like, I, I don't know if you remember, like, I don't even, I don't remember what fight it was, but like somebody at HBO had me doing these photos of, of Jim and Max and I had to be behind them and they're live on the air. So they wanted me to go down below the TV camera and shoot. And I was, um, <laughs> so Mark Spector was there. And I'm like, Mark, am I off TV? If I'm right here? Yes, you're off TV. And like, um, we kind of mapped it out. If I came up and shot in on Jim, cause they need stuff for a show. Am I on TV here? No, you're good there. And like, so I popped up and I went like this and I'm shooting Jim and whoever was on the camera just all of a sudden went. <laughs> and there I was over Max's shoulder and the truck flipped. Like, I mean, all I heard about it was, and then HBO was like, you can't wear that hat anymore. <laughs> like, like, it wasn't even my fault. I was doing what I was told to do. So, you know, then I have the gray with the red R, but <laughs> it has nothing to do with that. And Jonathan Evans used to always tell me, be like, just wear the damn hat. I like it. It relaxes me in the truck. It relaxes me in the truck. And then he sent me a photo from like 2004 or something with a, an overhead shot. And you can see the red hat. And he was like, I don't know. It's just, I, it, it doesn't necessarily, I don't care. It's for me, it doesn't have to be the red rock. It's I wear this one now. Um, just because, you know, the guys are like, you know, the red just shows up on TV so much. Can you, I said, I don't care. As long as it's a Rutgers hat, I wear my Rutgers hat. So <laughs> I wear this one now. I wear the red one all week on fight night. I wear this one. Um, it stays off TV a little bit better, which is fine. But I mean, every other photographer is wearing all different kinds of colors, so it doesn't really matter, but you do, you do what the people you work for say. So well, yeah. th there, there you have it. Yeah, and, and for anyone who doesn't know, Jonathan Evans was the director at HBO Boxing for the last few years of HBO Boxing. Um, so that's, that's, that's a good story there. So um, we talked a little bit about your process in terms of the lenses you have, the camera and things like that. Um, are there any habits outside of photography that help make you successful? Um, things like meditation, routines, workouts, um, just on a personal level, what, what do you do um, that can maybe help you uh, eventually with your, with your craft? Um, 
I will say, I well, I watch a lot of sports, and that helps because then you know. Yeah, it obviously helps to know any game you're going to shoot. Um, so that's big. Um, really, I'm always trying to look up new stuff to do. Um, but as far as like, I mean, you brought up like workouts too. I will tell you this, man. Like, I, I saw if I could find this picture, I'd show it to you. It's embarrassing, but a photo of me from like 2015 or something. And I was probably 45 pounds heavier. Um, and it it wasn't a big deal. Um, but all of a sudden, you know, when you're boxing, it doesn't matter, but when you're working an NFL game and a guy hits a 40 yard pass down the field and you got to run all the way down to the other end line and you got 40 pounds of gear on you, it starts to become a problem. You get down there, you might've missed a play. You're kneeling down. You're like, Oh man. So I um, started working out and I found out, I found that my, I became better at my job, the better shape I got into. And, you know, I would fluctuate here and there. And now I've gotten myself completely righted. And um, I just, I work out on the road all the time. Now I feel so much better when I do Um, just my mindset is better. And I think, that helps my job. Um, it is it necessary? No, but it man, you know as well as I do. You're on the road. It is so hard to be good on the road. You know, I mean, between you're 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 on a you're on a a per diem or you're on a you know you're going out to dinners with people that you work with, and then you know you got work all day long and then it's like hey let's go get a couple beers and hey let's go to this steakhouse or hey let's go over here and next thing you know you're you're eating like crap and then you got press meals and you got like every day there's press meals and and stuff like that and it's like next thing you know it's like man i went away and it's like it's like you're working but you're eating like you're on vacation and um you know it's it's it was brutal so now i'm trying to be so much better and you know, that's where, I, honestly, the only good thing that's come out of this time for me is I'm not working, but I've basically reset and just taken care of myself um, and put an emphasis on taking care of me, um, both mentally and physically. Um, and now I'm like so roaring to go. But um, yeah, that's been, that's been the good thing that's come out of it for me. Um, but yeah, I mean, I think for me working out on the road, um, mentally helps more than anything, but when I get to other sports, physically definitely helps. Um, 100% saw like if anyone says, oh, you don't have to be in shape to be a sports fighter. You're right. You don't, but it certainly does help to, to be in some semblance of shape. Um, particularly on those sports or golf. I mean, like running up and down, you know, running around a golf course, you know, you're not carrying small cameras. They're, they're pretty <laughs> big, especially on football or, 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 golf when you're you know carrying a 400 millimeter lens and you know those things are heavy no it can certainly help especially on big fights when it seems like the photographers are kind of packed like sardines ringside if you can (laughs) the less space probably 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 better so i just wanted to to close it out um we talked a lot about your journey and and obviously where you are now one of the most um the most um successful sports photographers in the game um what would overall, just to close it out, some lessons that, that maybe you learned along the way um, and any message that you would have uh, to your younger self? Maybe if you could go back to that fight where you were just in the stands taking the, the photography uh, as a hobby, what, what would be your message to your younger self there? Uh, wow. Um, I, I think I would have been more proactive I would have told myself to be more proactive earlier. Um, don't be afraid to, to make the jump. Um, I will tell you that if Liz didn't shove me to make that jump, I, I don't know how long it would have taken or if I would have ever fully taken the chance. Um, I, I would have told myself, I, I, I wish I could have went back and, and taken some of the worry out of it and just been like, hey, it's all going to work out great. Trust me. Um, you know, and I probably would have, I, I think, and, and I tell like younger photographers all the time now, reach out to people um, that you respect or people whose work you respect and ask the questions. And 
um, ask if they're looking for an assistant or, you know, things like that. I mean, I have some really good friends in this business now that started assisting me. And I mean, Molina is one of them. She started, she answered an ad that I placed to edit for me with HBO. And then, but she was a photographer, but she took a chance just because she wanted to learn um, and edit. And um, she spent two years editing at HBO and then got a chance to do locker room coverage for me for Golovkin and Canelo. Um, talk about being thrown into the fire. Um, here, go do the biggest fight of the year and, you know, don't, don't screw it up. Um, I tell her that before every, every fight. Hey, have fun and don't screw it up. And that's a watered down version. Um, and that's our, our, our running joke. But, um, you know, she spent two years and now she's photographer matchroom. Um, and she's on every show with me. And, um, so I would have told myself to go and, uh, maybe be a little more forward and offer help to some of the guys that I respected so much. Not that they didn't help me. They did, but they, they gave me advice and things like that. But I think I might've pushed the envelope a little more and been like, Hey, can I tag along on this shoot? Or, Hey, I saw you do these portraits. Next time you have those, can I come and do it? Um, can I help you? And, you know, or, Hey, do you need an assistant for this? And, um, because you can learn so much so fast by doing those things. So that would have probably been my main bit of advice is just, um, yeah, just do that. I mean, you know, I, I had a lot of guys help me. I mean, Al Bello at, at Getty Images, who's tremendous, gave me a lot of advice. Will Hart at HBO, uh, Chris Farina, who was at Top Rank for years. I mean, those guys were really guys that just gave me so much advice along the way and um, that I still use to this day. So I, I would say just reach out, be proactive. And, you know, the worst thing you're going to get is a no. And a no is not the worst thing in the world. It's just a lot of times it'll just cause you to work harder. Yeah. That's, that's great advice. Ed Mulholland, I want to thank you so much for the time. You can catch Ed uh, at Matchroom, the biggest fights uh, out there right now. Um, I know you also do UFC, you do NFL, NHL, so uh, one of the top photographers in the game. Ed, I want to thank you so much for sharing your journey, sharing some life lessons, and uh, I, really, I really do appreciate the time. Thanks, man. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. And that brings us to the end here. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to my guest, sports photographer, renowned, well-known, Ed Maholland. If you want to follow us, uh, you can follow at A-T-E underscore podcast. That's on Instagram and Twitter. If you want to follow my personal channels, it's at C-U-R-R-A-N-B-H-A-T-I-A on Instagram and Twitter. That's at Karan Bhatia at, on Instagram and Twitter. Please subscribe on YouTube, youtube.com backslash Karan Bhatia. Uh, please check out uh, our show on iTunes. Hit subscribe. Give us a five-star review. If you want to email the show, it's askthexpertspod at gmail.com. This is Karan Bhatia signing off for Ask the Experts. Thank you for listening to Ask the Experts with Curran Bhatia.